Colossians 1 and verse 9. And I'm going to read a few verses there and then I want to pray over the word as we receive it. Paul's writing to the church at Colossae and he says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask this morning that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Incline our ear to what you would say to us today. Unite our heart as we follow you. And Lord, bring satisfaction to our soul that only you can give. Blessed are you, O Lord, who have given us your word, your truth, your light to shine into our lives so that we can be more like you. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the first week of Advent. Right? Advent is the four Sundays before Christmas Day. So this is the first one of those four Sundays before Christmas Day. And I wanted to open uh, with a few questions. You know, I like to ask questions for us to meditate on, think on, as we're navigating this Christmas season that we've got coming up, you know, we're past Thanksgiving now. It's right over into Christmas. We're already there. But as we're walking through that, the first question is, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? And if you ask most people that, even little kids, they'll say, well, Jesus. Right. Jesus. It's Jesus' birthday. It's Jesus' birthday party. But I want you to be thinking on why do I, because you can say why do we, why do I celebrate Christmas? And how can I best do that? How is best for me to celebrate or observe Christmas? Because as Christ was given to us as a good and gracious gift from God the Father, this time of year is also given to us. By God the Father. This time, this Christmas season, these special times of year have been given to us by Him. We can see in the Bible over and over and over, God Almighty would establish times for His people to observe, feasts for His people to observe. Now, we know that we don't keep those because the law says that we have to. We know that. But we can look back and go, he had a purpose for having them do those things. And he was pretty clear about what it was. He would say, I want you to do this every year because at some point your kids are going to ask you, why we do this? He said, at some point your children's children 
are going to ask you, why we do this? What do we do this for? Why do we have Christmas every year? Why do we celebrate Christmas? What do we do that for? And he gave it to us for observance. For them, it was it was national. It was everybody. But it was also individual. It was so individual hearts and minds would have rhythms in their life and times and moments that were set up in advance so that they could think on certain things. They could observe them. They could remember things that God was asking them to remember. He's like, remember when you were in slavery in Egypt and I brought you out. That's a great example. Remember that. Reflect on it. And then respond out of it. We're remembering what he's done. We're reflecting on it. And then we're responding out of that. And it's important for us to know why we do the things that we do. He said, your children are going to ask. They weren't here when you were slaves in Egypt. It's been far in the past for them. I want you to bring it up to the present. I want you to make it real to them today. So for Christians, we can get distracted. I've noticed that it's happened to me. We can get distracted by how culture is or isn't handling Christmas. We can get distracted by, well, look at them. They're not even saying Merry Christmas anymore. They're taking Jesus out of it. You know, we can get frustrated about how culture is treating it. But I want us to not forget that it's individual too. And we need to keep an eye on how we're handling it and how we're treating it. Because while it, it's not for cultural domination, like this is the way the Christians are going to take over as everybody's going to celebrate Christmas. It's for that personal transformation so that you get closer to him. You know more about him. You're changed. And then that draws people to him. You see how that works. So for these next uh, few weeks, we're going to give our time and our attention and our energy to preparing our heart to receive from God what he has for us in this special time. In this God appointed, God given time, we want to receive all that he would have for us during Christmas. So we're not just going to wait until Christmas Eve, 1224 to go. How should I think about this? Is my heart handled this season okay? Am I gonna am I gonna actually get out of this what God has in it for me? Advent is kind of like that, the Advent observance, which I always thought you had to be Catholic to do. I thought that was a Catholic word. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's, it just means the arrival of something notable, the arrival of a notable person or thing, right? Somebody important showed up or came on the scene or something important showed up or came on the scene. You know, the advent of the electric light bulb or the advent of the king of so-and-so. It is the arrival of an important person. And so advent or that observance for us, these weeks leading up to Christmas, I think of it kind of like a parent right before they get out of the car with their kids somewhere. You know, where you'd have to tell them where you are and how it's about to go down. Now, look, we're about to go in here and there's going to be people and it's going to be quiet. You better be quiet. You know, here's how you need to handle yourself and what's about to happen. We we all got those instructions, right? I want to make sure you understand this is what's about to happen. And here's how you need to handle yourself in this. And that's what it's doing for us. It's like this is going to happen. This is coming. It's on the calendar. It's happening Here's how you can best handle yourself in it so that you receive 
all that God has. Listen, it is a blessing. This time of year is such a blessing to us from God the Father, a time of rhythm placed in our in our life so that we can think on him. So that's what it's doing to us. And so I, I hear Paul praying this prayer over the church, uh, the Colossian church. And it just stuck out to me as far as that, that it's also uh, applicable to us this time of year. It's for us in a sense. He tells them in verse nine for this reason for for what reason? You know, we could go back up and he's going to say, we heard we've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've heard about the love that you have for him, your love in the spirit, how good you've been to those uh, that, that have come to minister God's grace and peace to you. He said, we, we've heard about all that. And so because of that, because we're hearing this about you, that you're trying to live this life in Christ, that you're trying to grow in him, that you want more of him, that you've turned your life over to him. You, you've received him all that he is into all that you are. You've received him as Lord and savior of your life. He said, for this reason, since the day we heard this, these things, your faith in the Lord Jesus and and, and the goodness that you're experiencing in in him since the day that we first heard it, we haven't stopped praying for you. We haven't stopped praying for you. And now this is the Apostle Paul. He could have prayed many things for them. Right. Think of all the things that we ask people to pray. Hey, hey, brother, will you pray for me about this? Hey, brother, will you keep this in your prayers? He could have prayed a lot of things. What was it that he prayed? He prayed something specific. He could have spoken many blessings over them, but he spoke something in specific. One thing above all, and it was the thing that he knew would keep them. He said, we're asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I saw those words, you know, I look at him and go, if he's asking this, maybe this is something important. Right. He's at knowledge of his will, wisdom and spiritual understanding. These sound like synonyms to me. So I wanted to dig into it a little bit and look on these a little bit longer. He said knowledge, which knowledge is what it's it's knowledge. It's precise and correct info. That's what it is. That's what knowledge is. Precise and correct information. Then he said and wisdom. See, wisdom is something that, that's broad as far as the description, but it's also something that can be what applied. Wisdom is knowledge applied to your life, knowing how to apply it. And then he goes to spiritual understanding and the way that word in the Greek, uh, the, the definition there for spiritual understanding or understanding is knowing how everything flows together. Knowing how everything flows together or mentally being able to put things together. This is what he's praying for them. He said that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, something you can apply to your life and spiritual understanding that you're going to be able to look and see how things in this life flow together because of what you've received from him and in him and through him. Amen. And that just sounds awesome, doesn't it? 
And why is he asking for this? He's very specific also about why he's asking for this in verse 10. He said, so that I want this to happen for you. I want this to this to be a part of your life, this knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. So that you may walk fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He's asking these things for them. We're asking these things for us because it produces something in us. It brings something out of us. God, I want to walk worthy of you. I want to walk fully pleasing to you. I want to be fruitful or effective in the good works that you've ordained for me to do that I'm trying to put my hands to. I want to be fruitful. I want to be growing. I want to be strong. I want to be able to endure with patience and joy. And it said, you're also going to give thanks because you're going to realize what it is that he has done. Giving thanks to the father who has enabled you to share in the saints inheritance in the light of all the prayers and all the blessings that he could have He could have prayed for them, that he could have spoken over them. He said, when I heard that you were following Jesus, this is what I asked God to do for you. He said, I hadn't stopped asking him to do it for you, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. His will. What is his will? The purpose of God is to bless mankind through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is his will to bless mankind through the person and work of Jesus Christ. I I looked up that word too. the, the, the will. What does this mean? It's what he has determined shall be done. What he has determined to do and also what he has commanded to be done by us. Why am I here? I can read through these verses from the so that on down. This is what I'm here for as a believer. This is why I exist is to seek him, know him and experience these things in him. It makes you mindful of Matthew 6, 33, doesn't it? Where Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom. Paul's Paul's praying that first they'll experience the kingdom, the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that. And then Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you, will be provided for you. It's a big prayer from Paul here in Colossians. And, and I want us to think on this as we're approaching the holiday. We've been talking about what? Idolatry. The holiday can turn into an idol for you. You can ask it to do something for you that it can't do. You can ask it to help you in a way that it can't help you. It can be good and helpful, right? Idolatry is taking something good and making it ultimate, right? Taking something good 
and asking it to be the ultimate thing in your life and to provide for you what only God the Father can provide. We, we don't want to turn it into an idol. And you can see that. You, you, you can almost feel it in yourself to go, well, I, I'm going to feel real good once I get that tree put up. I'm going to feel real good once I get, you know, the the menu laid out for when we're having our family gathering. And and we put so much weight on these Christmas things that, that, that that we're looking to them instead of to him. Right. And, and when we do that, what, what happens? It always breaks our heart. Idols always break your heart because they have to. They can't do anything but that. They can't do anything but fall short of what you're asking them to do. So we want to make sure that we're not turning it into an idol this time of year, because that's something that we know that we can do, that we're subject to, is ask things that are lesser than to be greater than, and it doesn't work out good. So going back to our questions, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? And what's the most beneficial way for me to do it? What's the most beneficial way? What's the best way for me to do it? And I was thinking on this and, you know, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we observe it? And the answer is Jesus. The answer is because Jesus came, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right. Jesus came. I got another question. Why? Why did he come? Why did he come into the world? When we talk about his advent, his arrival, the arrival of a notable person on the scene, Jesus came. And again, we're going to talk about that more as we go. But why did he come? Why did he come? A couple years ago, we talked one of our Advent sermons was out of the book of John, you know, closer to the Easter time frame where Jesus is standing before Pilate. And we quoted part of it the other day when we were talking about uh, political power and things like that. When Pilate is standing there, they brought Jesus to Pilate because they want to kill him. They can't kill him. Pilate can. And they're trying to convince Pilate that Jesus is guilty of the things that they're saying he's guilty of. And so Pilate says to him, is it true that you're a king? And Jesus is like, I'm going to let you say that. You, you, you said that. And Pilate's like, I'm not like, I'm not a Jew. I don't really care about what y'all are doing. I don't know anything about your weird, you know, traditions that you have. So I'm not sure. But, but they're saying you're a king. And Jesus said what? He said, if I was a king, if my kingdom were from here, then my people would fight. My people would fight so that I wouldn't be taken, so that I wouldn't be standing here prisoner in front of you. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. And then Pilate says, so you are a king. And Jesus said, you said it again that I'm a king. He said, this is the reason that I was born and I've come into the world for this. It's a big moment, right? He's going to tell us why he's here. He's going to tell us why he came. This is the reason I was born. Uses that word born. This is the reason I came into the world to testify to the truth, to tell the truth. That's pretty broad, isn't it? To tell the truth, which Pilate said, what is truth? You know, to him, you know, what is truth? It doesn't exist. That was the end of their conversation. And part of our growing in our knowledge and wisdom and understanding is to understand why it is that he came. We want to celebrate that he came. Yes. And amen. But me growing in the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding 
It's going to help me to know why it is that he did that. And Paul would write about that too in 1 Timothy. And he says something a little bit different than what Jesus said, but it's not in conflict with one another. In 1 Timothy chapter 1. Trying to look and see how much of this I want to read. Let's just read this one first. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. I was sitting by the window drinking a cup of coffee. This was just in my regular Bible reading. And the Lord just flipped the switch on it for me. You know how that goes. You can be uh, reading the word with just your eyes. You've been doing that, just reading with your eyes. Like your, your mind's not even engaged yet. <laughs> You know, you're just reading with your eyes. And then sometimes you're reading and your mind's engaged. You know, you're thinking about what it is that you're reading. And then there's there's times yet deeper than that where your heart gets engaged. Right. Where where it starts to really touch things in the deep places of you. And when that happens, even after you close the book and set it down, you you haven't set down that word. It's, it's still right here. It's kind of sticky, isn't it? And that happened to me this other day. It, and, and I saw this and I was like, well, I got to share this. First Timothy 1 and 15. Paul says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He said, this saying is trustworthy And should be fully accepted, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Sinners are what? Prisoners or devotees to sin. To to missing the mark. To falling short of God's righteousness. Right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And look what he says after that. And I'm the worst of them. I'm the worst of them. So as I was reading this, Paul is writing to Timothy. We've learned these names. We've learned who these people are as we went through Acts. This is uh, one of his spiritual sons that traveled with him, spent innumerable hours with him, trusted him enough to circumcise him. And Paul is telling Timothy in this letter his testimony. He's reminding what Paul is trying to point something out and give him truth that he can hold on to as he's doing what? As he's pastoring a church in Ephesus. He's pastoring a church in Ephesus. Look at what he wrote. Let's expand out just a little bit. Going back to verse 12. Paul said, I give thanks to Christ Jesus. Our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. That sounds like he's about to say something good about himself, doesn't it? Even though, verse 13, he's not. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, somebody who says false things about God, a persecutor and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. He said, I'm the worst of them, but verse 16, but I received mercy for this reason. Why did he receive mercy? I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst example, the worst of them, the worst sinner, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. He said, I know me best and I'm the worst sinner. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, don't even try to, we're not even gonna have a contest. I'm the worst. He said, I persecuted the church. I dragged Christians out of their home. I split up families. I threw people into prison for believing in Jesus. He said, but even though I was those things and I was an arrogant man, I received mercy and the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He said, Christ came into the world to save sinners. He said, I'm the worst one. He said, I believe he saved me to show everybody else how patient he is. (laughs) He said, I believe that he saved me. So that he could point out to everybody else how patient he is because he was patient with the worst one. That he'd be patient with them too as they believe on him for eternal and everlasting life. He said, I'm the worst sinner, yet I received mercy. I'm the worst sinner, yet grace overflowed with faith and love towards me in Christ Jesus. And he said, I hope others see it. I hope others see Christ's patience with me. And the reason that he came to save sinners, of which I'm the worst. And he exercised patience towards me. How much more is he going to be patient towards you? And we can think that, can't we? As we're growing in this life, as we're walking in this life, we're trying to do the things that pleases God. And, and, and we, we, we trip up, we, we, we fail at it. We don't do good one day. We do good the next day. We can be inconsistent. We say we're going to be one way and then we do another thing and it starts to frustrate us. And we start to think that God is probably getting impatient with us. We start to think he's upset with me now. He's really regretting extending grace towards me because I'm not better yet. I'm not all the way there yet. I haven't got done what I feel like in my heart. I'm supposed to get done for him and I'm probably wearing out my welcome. We've all felt like that. We've all felt like that. And when we feel like that, what do we do? We step away from him. We step away from his people. We step away from his word because we feel like Peter in the boat that says, I'm unworthy. Or we feel like Isaiah when he was in the throne room and he said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here right now because you're good and holy and righteous and I'm not. And you're not going to stand to have me around. But Paul is saying... He's patient. He's kind. Grace overflows. He said he didn't come into the world to save perfect people. He didn't come into the world to get the best and the brightest. He came into the world to save sinners of which I am the worst. And the patience that was demonstrated in the mercy that Paul received. He's saying, I see it as extraordinary and I hope you see it the same way. And they said, I hope it stands as an example to all of those 
who would believe on Christ for eternal life to know that He is. He came when you were a sinner and He's patient with you as you grow. He's patient with you as you grow. And goodness, he, he, he says in verse 17, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. To the King eternal, the Lord immortal, the God invisible, the only one, to him be honor and glory forever. He's saying, look at him. He's big. He's big. And he came into the world to save sinners. He's going to get it done. He's going to get it done. Don't back up because you think he's going to get impatient with you. Don't turn away because you think he's getting tired of you because you're not yet where you want to be. He's put the desires in your heart for the perfection. You're walking it out. You're not there yet. Don't think that he's about to cast you out. He's patient. Paul said he came into the world to save sinners, of which I'm the worst, and he's been patient with me. Look at his patience. Look how gracious he is. Look how kind he is. Look how kind he is. So when we say, why do we celebrate Christmas? Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? He came to save sinners. Of which we we can all raise our hand and say like Paul, because we know ourselves the best. He came to save sinners. I'm tied for the worst. I'm tied for the worst. We know that we are. When we think on it, we, we are. And He came into this world to save us. And that's worthy of celebration. And that's worthy of remembrance. So this Christmas season, we're praying, like Paul prayed over the, the Colossian church, fill us with the knowledge of your will. Fill us up with it. Fill us up with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom so I can apply it to my life. Spiritual understanding so I can start to see how these things work together. Fill me up with it so that so that I can walk worthy in front of you, so that I can be fruitful in every good work, so that I can be pleasing to you. Again, look, he's got to do something before I can do anything. He is the mover. All I am is the recipient. And I'm asking him to do what only he can do so that I can grow, so that I can be strong, so that I can endure hardships, I can endure tribulations, that I can be patient in joy and hope. Thankful for the one who has given me an inheritance with the saints in the light. Amen. So again, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we celebrating Christmas? Because he came. And he came to save sinners, of which I'm tied for the worst. Right? All of sin, I'm tied for the worst. To give mercy, that's why he came. To overflow with grace and love and faith for all those who depend on him for eternal life. And to demonstrate his extraordinary patience. To all, who, all those who believe in Him for their lives. For their lives. He is our hope. So the next few weeks, 
This is what we're going to be walking through. We're going to have kids Sunday, next Sunday. That's going to be a part of it. And then we're going to walk through what I call the, the hymn of centrality in the book of Colossians. So after the spot where we just read, he's going to talk about Jesus and how he's unique and how he's special and what he did, who he is, why he came and what he did so that as we walk through these weeks, when we get to Christmas Day, we get to have the food, we get to have the family, we get to have the fun. There's going to be presents. But the main thing stays the main thing. The reason for the season stays the main thing. They're excited about it already here. Amen. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because he came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save sinners, of which we're tied for the worst. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. And we do ask, we ask that during this time, all times, but during this time, specifically and specially, that we be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Father, that you continue to teach us more about who you are, more about why you came, how big you are, so that when you tell us something, we know we can trust what you said. We know that we can believe what you said, that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which we are tied for the worst. And Father, as we go through this time of Advent, I thank you that you teach us, you train us up, and you, you tune our heart to that note. The note that Paul is striking there in Colossians, the one he struck in Thessalonians, the one we read about in Timothy, that you can do what you said you would do. And all you ask from us is to be in Christ. You don't bless us because of who we are or because of what we did. You bless us because we're in Christ. You don't bless us because of how impressive we can be or all that we can boast of. You bless us because we're in Christ. And He's in us. The, our hope of glory. Our hope of home. Our hope of relationship with You. And we thank You. And Lord, I speak a blessing over our folks in here today. Lord, those who aren't able to be here with us because they're traveling or they're ill or they're weak in their body. Lord, that You can meet them right where they are. Maybe they're listening to this later. This is for You too. He came into the world to save to save each and every one of us. We receive Him, all that He is, into all that we are, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we get ready to go, as we carry out the, the remainders of this blessed weekend, I thank You that we go with You in mind. Aware of You and what You're doing, what You've said, and that we order our lives based on that. That's part of that wisdom. That's part of that spiritual understanding that we order our lives based on what you've said and what we found to be true in you. I thank you that you give us strength. I thank you that you give us peace. I thank you that you make us whole. And I thank you, Lord, for all the good things you've got prepared for us that we wouldn't even believe them if you told us all about it. But I thank you that we'll encounter it and we'll enjoy it one step, one day at a time. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.